the incomparable. Number 353 May 2017 Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. We're doing a uh, Flash podcast here to talk about a trailer. That's right. People are uh, really just desperately wanted us to talk about that uh, that Star Wars uh, trailer, and we're not going to. Instead, we're going to talk about the Star Trek Discovery trailer <laughs> that got released this week. Sorry, Star Wars fans, but hey, Star Trek fans, we're going to talk and speculate a little bit about the much promoted, not yet, uh, you know, much delayed, but now we've got something to talk about, about Star Trek Discovery. Joining me to talk about Star Trek Discovery are these wonderful people. David J. Lore, hello. Hey, may the force be with you, Jason. Thank mm. you, David. And also with you, Tony Sindelar is also there. Hello. Hi. Hi. Scott McNulty is here because he's a Star Trek expert, and I don't like to talk about Star Trek without him. This is a non-random trek for you, Scott. That That is true. This is a... a carefully selected trek and for star wars fans uh, the trailer starts off on a desert planet and you star wars people love desert planets right yeah totally uh moises chuyan is here hello jason snell my old friend none of this would have happened if gene roddenberry were alive that's true he'd be very old now very very old and again another one of my uh star trek ringers brianna Wu is back hello What's up? Uh, my species has been, uh, we were born to sense death, and that's why I'm here on The Incomparable today. <laughs> that's good. Oh, are you not dear. feeling good about the, uh, are you staving off death or are you welcoming death by doing this? That's I, the question. I, I, I'm welcoming it. Okay, you know? good. Let's, let's do it. Good. That's, that's all, all for the best. So we, we got, we got two, two minutes and 24 seconds of uh, a Star Trek uh, trailer to talk about. Jason, I think we've done two minutes and 24 seconds already. All right. So thanks, everybody, done. for listening. Good night, everybody. Keep it real, nerds. <laughs> but uh, that's good. Everybody signed off. That's great. We do start out on a desert planet, so I guess we should talk about that. I see desert planets in Star Trek, and I think Vulcan. But it, it could be Vulcan. It could be something totally different. I mean, I don't know why they'd be walking around in the desert on Vulcan um, and being lost. But that's where we meet uh, the the two characters here. We have Michelle Yeoh as Captain Georgiou. And also we have our uh, series lead, Sinequa Martin-Green, as Michael Burnham, and they're walking across the desert having a chat about uh, Burnham's career prospects. As you do. As you do. She doesn't have a she doesn't have a star to guide her because they're in a cloudy desert. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Though they they seem to have tricorders, which I would imagine would help them if they were lost. But I, I'm uh, I'm assuming it's a sandstorm of of yeah interference. Yeah, the big billowing clouds <laughs> suggest that there's she she actually glances over her shoulder at one point and is like like why are we out here? We're before TOS and after Enterprise, so all bets are off. All bets are off. So it's Arrakis. Oh. The spice must flow. Desert planet. So I, I'm not sure that this that that there isn't something um, that whether this is linear or not, but I think it's an interesting introduction since since Burnham is going to be our main character throughout the show. We get to see her talking to her captain now. What what they said in PR, which I guess we should believe, is that Michelle Yeoh is being um, it, she's the captain of the Shenzhen, and that that's supported by this trailer. And that's the, where the Shenzhou. Sorry, sorry, uh, Shenzhen. Is, is where a bunch oh, of where things they are make manufactured. It's the uh, Shenzhou, Shenzhou is the name of, the, right. of the Chinese uh, of the Chinese space, space program. program. And there's a little robot yeah. that's got a Shenzhou uh, like uh, label on it later in the, for like a half a second, which suggests that that Branding, the uh, man. That branding. the Shenzhou is indeed, uh, well, Star Trek's all about the branding. So this is this is obviously from the beginning of the first episode, because the idea here is that this is where uh, Burnham starts, but she doesn't end here. She will go on to be on the 
titular USS Discovery at some point, none of which we see, we see in this trailer. So I like that about it, that it doesn't seem to be spoiling its entire premise by um, by uh, what it shows us in this first teaser. That's nice. We don't even see the the Starship Discovery in the teaser at all. Yeah. Or the captain. Or the captain. Supposedly. No, yeah. It's not bad. I, I, I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind being teased and not having the entire uh, pilot of the show strip mine for parts to show me a trailer. Oh, totally. I approve. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So what do people think about this? Uh, the uh, You want to you break it down bit by bit? We've got to start the desert if we do that. If you've got any yeah, thoughts about this. Yeah, let's do this. it. Let's do let's it. Let's take it in order. That's right. I, I will say that um, there's a really nice Twitter thread that I, I like that uh, Liz Miles, who's often on our podcast, um, did about how just she's blown away by the fact that the very first thing we see is two women of color having a conversation about their career. In, so th- th- it's not about men passes the, the Bechdel test immediately um, and she's like this is modern Star Trek and it is pretty cool um, yeah. so so what yeah what do people think about this uh, little uh, li- desert walk that ends with a <laughs> surprise Kirk like almost like aha but I can call a spaceship and then we can get out right. of here <laughs> I, I loved it but yeah that for me was, it was a big overriding uh, feeling for the whole trailer that we only get more of as we go which is that it feels like some of the cool nifty sci-fi stuff that we've gotten in other mediums while we've been waiting for a new Trek series to exist. Yeah. Brie, what do you think about this opening? Well, obviously I'm very psyched. Uh, you know, I was out, uh, I was out trying to get out of town and, uh, I was working on my car and I get this frantic call on my husband's phone and I pick it up. And it's my neighbor. And he's so upset about the Star Trek trailer. He thought it was just absolutely <laughs> terrible. And he's just blasting it. I'm like, oh, well, I go inside with Frank and I watch it. And it was the same thing. Like you see two women of color talking to each other. And I, I was just like, this is great. This is awesome. Um, it, it does worry me. I am of the opinion that Voyager is held in low regard by most Trek fans because of unconscious sexism. I think a big part of it is that they didn't actually watch it. I also that agree too. with that. Well, to be fair, the first season was not good. <laughs> I I don't agree with that. So I worry about I worry I I worry in talking about the show about politicizing it from the very beginning of it. And I'm I'm hyper excited about this. Like this is like I fought for this so hard in my own career. It's awesome. Like this is Star Trek in 2017 and that's great. They're not in in this opening scene because they're women. That's the thing. It's just irrelevant. They're Starfleet officers yeah. having a conversation about her career. The the fact that Michelle Yeoh is is playing a Starfleet captain and not just a Starfleet captain who shows up in an episode of something uh, to say, oh, hello, Captain Picard. How's it going? Yes, we'll help you with this blockade run that you're doing. The, the fact that the United Federation of Planets right off the bat feels like the United Federation of Planets with humans from Earth that aren't just from the United States and a couple of their funny friends from other continents every once in a while. Having her front and center feels like the exact opposite of, of tokenism right off the start because yeah. she has the poise and presence of a Starfleet captain, whether we see her at the forefront of this show uh, as it goes forward. I mean, we know that Michael Burnham is is supposed to be our lead, but her having a prominent role, whether we see a little of her or a lot of her, she has the kind of presence that a literal cinema legend, that to me was was the thing that just as we get this first breath of things that uh, that really that really made me feel good uh, in particular. Looking at the demographics of planet Earth, and humans on planet Earth, right? The fact that Star Trek has, like, not had a whole lot of Chinese participation over the years to have Michelle Yeoh as a 
captain to have the Shenzhou as the ship. It's a big deal. Uh, like, like yeah. it, it didn't. It's not logical that humans leaving Earth would be largely Americans and Europeans, right? It should be a broader worldview. And so, this a little bit like having Chekhov be on the on the Enterprise. It's like, oh, of course, there should be Russians in space. So they added Chekhov. It's like, yeah, yeah because of you know Yuri Gagarin and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like he was a big deal to be the first man in space. Whatever. So to add a Chinese presence in Starfleet here right out of the bat, it's like that's smart. It's the way yep. the way it should be. Tony, what do you think of this uh, opening? Any 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 thoughts in the desert and with the uh, the reveal of the ship uh, coming through the dust storm? I guess I like it. It's uh, dramatic. Uh, you know, it, you you have the the trailer magic where you don't know what's going on and, and what is the context, <laughs> right? Like, are they in dire straits, wandering through a sandstorm, or you know, are they just just doing their job? Uh, are are they talking about this because this might be the last conversation they ever have, or this is just you know they don't have a lot of uh, time away from the rest of the crew and she wants to impart this wisdom before. They, they beam up. So uh, exciting and fun uh, introduction to these two characters. We get some we get some transporter uh, beam yeah. uh, action too, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, Scott, what do you think? Uh, of the transporter beam in particular? Yeah, yeah, that's I, mean, it. I want your analysis of if the transporter beam offended you or you found it fine. Or anything else well, about the was, desert. I thought it was interesting. I did think about the transporter beam because that's the kind of Star Trek nerd that I yeah, am. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and so in Enterprise, they established the fact that uh, transporters not so reliable. They're still trying them out. They don't use them a lot. Uh, so I was happy to see that this is 10 years. Well, this, I forget how what the difference between Enterprise and the original series is. But this is 10 years before the original series so clearly the kinks have been worked out yeah uh, i did like that so it seems like there's like a grid that appears on the the targets of the transporting which i thought was a cool effect and then a little traditional swirl around so mm. thumbs up on the new transporter effect nice that's right i come to I you i also like the new klingons so come at me uh, yeah bro. that's wow. <laughs> I, like them. I agree with that yeah we'll get there I, it's <laughs> We do get the the following. Um, there's some there's some voiceover, um, and we see uh, we we see um, uh, Burnham on the bridge of her ship. Looks like this is uh, this is Michelle Yeoh's ship. The, the, do the we uh, ship. do we do we have the lengthy discussion about the the meanings of of uh, uniforms now, or do we save that for later? I, I think we got to <laughs> talk about the uniforms right now. I think this I'm is sorry. the time. But you know. No, you're right. I, this this is I it. Bet, I bet everybody who is in a Starfleet uniform in this cast doesn't understand how lucky they are to have pockets um, on their <laughs> uniforms. Because, uh, you know, back in the day, being in Starfleet meant not having any pockets and wearing a body sock. I assumed in the uh, in the future, I would not have any personal items. I would not need any pockets. Personal items like hands. <laughs> Where do hands go? <laughs> I've seen some people being bummed out about how it, it, it they, they don't look like uh, original series. And while I, I would love a show that just fully embraced the original series aesthetic, nobody else would. <laughs> Jason, Jason, what what you really need on a starship is a velour sweater. Mm. <laughs> this feels a little more like... Uh, taking the Enterprise design and evolving it forward toward, yeah. I, th- I think, like sort of toward the J.J. Abrams Star Trek design. It's it's modern, but there's it's it's sort of familiar. Um, uh, and this is going to be a theme for I think many of us. Perhaps is it's different, and uh, I'm okay with it being different. But yeah. what do you th- yeah. what do y'all think of uh, a lot of a lot of blue, a lot of little uh, kind of gold gold stripes and the famous emblem and a, like a zipper. It, it kind of made me think of, you know, Nick Meyer is involved in this and he was the one who sort of said, you know what, let's forget the motion picture costumes and let's go naval and military and all mm-hmm. that. 
And I think that's that might be a little bit of his influence saying, all right, the Enterprise uniforms kind of made sense, but let's do something a little nicer. And and it almost feels like it would evolve eventually into the Wrath of Khan era. Wow, you costumes. know, I hadn't thought of that, but I think maybe you're right. So like a blue version yeah. that's headed toward the Wrath yeah. of Khan kind of costumes. I think that this also doesn't necessarily um, preclude the notion that 10 years from now, the right middle manager inside of Starfleet middle management decided, you know what? Everybody's always complaining. <laughs> they want their uniforms to be less stuffy. They want it to be more relaxed when they go into they have, diplomatic They have missions. too many pockets. Yeah, too many pockets. I mean, you, you want a different texture. Black slacks. And uh, everybody gets, I got, I got a deal on these colored shirts. So we're going to go with that now. (laughs) You know, and something that, you know, you can wear a girdle with. It'll look really good. (laughs) And there's an alternate wrap for the captains who are large. Right. Right. So something I think is really interesting to think about when, you know, the last television series came out, uh, you know, like CRTs were the main way that most of us saw, you know, Star Trek. I mean, when Enterprise came out, we were just barely like moving into LCD and, you know, higher def formats. So something I notice is if you like look at a Star Trek costume, like from Voyager or, you know, TNG on eBay, it, it doesn't really have the pop of a, a movie costume. So I look at this, I see a lot of texture in the fabric detail. Yeah. And it's just subtle. And it's like it's it's cutting the difference between like a, a, a more pragmatic like jumpsuit that you might wear in space and, you know, like a, a movie costume. So I, I like it. I think it's splitting the difference, just like you said, Jason. And it's it's awesome. Any other costume thoughts? Get it out now. Let it out. Let your uh, inner costume there, feelings there, there out. There are pips pips on the badges i like the design uh i think i would i miss the 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 you know using color to indicate what what their role is right uh, unless everybody that we see is has the same role i, I like the more dramatic but i do like the use of color but well they they have uh different colors i think because the alien yeah but i mean it's the best color right Ooh. <laughs> uh yeah well they have like those stripes are different colors i think yeah. yes Maybe. yeah that's your rank insignia kind of thingy i think we have we have uh, our first glimpse of a canon character in uh, the ne- very next shot, which is uh, Sarek, who's played by James Frain here. He he has a conversation with Burnham in a couple of places, um, and we'll get more of Sarek uh, later. Uh, there are a couple of canon characters that are existing Star Trek characters that are going to be dropping into to Discovery at some point. Uh-huh. Um, how does everybody feel about, um, you know, 10 years, 10 years away from original series, you get to sort of do this younger version of characters we saw in the original series thing, and Sarek's the, the example. How, how does everybody feel about, about this approach of, uh, you know, Enter- Enterprise was harder to do this, but with, uh, with Discovery, they're going to be able to do it, and this is, we've got a new Sarek, who's got obviously a personal connection to our main character, which is kind of interesting. I can't wait for young, sexy Harry Mudd. I mean, I know I'm not alone. <laughs> I, I did not, I did not uh, think that, that Harry Mudd was something I needed more no. of in my life. I thought I was free of that. And here it comes. But how do you, yeah, how do you feel about Rain Wilson? <laughs> that's me. That's me trying to send Harry Mudd off into the Delta Quadrant and as far away from this as possible. Yeah, me hoping I, for it means that they just won't even touch it. I, I don't understand how that happens. Yeah, yeah, but Sarek, I think, makes a lot of sense. When yeah. I heard that they were doing this, I was like, oh, yeah. that's kind of cool, right? Because Vulcans live a long right. time, and he would have been in an important position at that point. This is, you know, 
10 or 15 years before Journey to Babel. Yeah. And he can be a mentor figure. And I mean, he doesn't have to be the focus of anything, but he can be, he can be a nice tether. Whereas Harry Mudd, it's like, why? 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 Would you why? Do that? Well, we we have this plot about sexy androids, and who? How? How would we? How would we make sexy androids believable if we didn't have Harry Mudd? It just it, it doesn't work. <laughs> and so here we are. Uh, the The presence of Sarek ties ties this to the canon in a way that that in the first glance that this is makes me feel good about it because with the weird divorce of the Star Trek franchise where all the TV stuff is in CBS's hands and the movies are all in Paramount's hands. And it's kind of a weird, like Marvel TV versus movies sort of a thing. I'm much more comfortable with the vast majority of the Canon side of things where they're at once visibly doing some new and different things, both aesthetically and, you know, just with the, the way that they're telling the story where it's a 15 episode show instead of like 25 episodes a season. Um, I, I like that I'm seeing that mix of things that they are distinctly trying new things and that they are not afraid to dig into, you know, what, when we get to the Klingons, which stuff that could be some really weird, big time, like deep cut, Trek nerd lore type of stuff. Well, and that's that's the thing that really excited me in the beginning was when when they first announced Brian Fuller is going to do this, and and it's like yeah, Brian Fuller got his got his start on Voyager, and he is a Trek nerd, and he is he knows you know it's not like one of these people who goes oh yes I was hired I've never seen an episode of Star Trek uh, like Nick Meyer love him but he had never seen Star Trek before Wrath of Khan, and so you know I was I was expecting some deep cuts and I'm glad to see we're going to get them. I love that kind of world building. And I, and if, if it's done really well, uh, it, it should be all right. Even Harry mud. I'm okay with Harry mud. Yeah. We'll see how, see, see how it's done. I guess I don't understand why we keep returning to this era. You know, like TOS is awesome, but you know, enterprise went back to it and now you've got the movies that are all around this era am i the only person that like wants to find out more about like what happened to the borg after voyager or what happened to the dominion after ds9 i mean i want us to i i want to find out the next chapter of the story and it's it's sort of frustrating to me that every time we get a new star trek property it seems to be going backwards in time like where's the faith that the adventures that are coming next are, you know, worthwhile. Why do we keep like retreading these same concepts? Because it just, it feels like this has been everything we've done yeah, pretty much since the turn of the millennium. There were credible rumors that went around right when the show was being announced that this was going to actually be an anthology show, which it doesn't seem to be necessarily. But I, I agree with you, Bree. Like one of the things that struck me as odd was Again, we're going back in time. Again, we're going back to origin story-ish kind of territory rather than just going on the back. Uh, you know, even if you're going to 10, 20 years in the future of Voyager, why not do that? Uh, you know, right. why, why say that all of the next generation forward stuff is yet to come? You know, wh why are they telling this story is a big question for me. But, you know, again, like I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic to where I trust that you know, I, I have a very soft spot in my heart for mirror universe episodes. I would love to yeah. see a mirror universe episode in yeah. this new show. I yeah. would love to right. see, I would love to see this crew somehow end up 150 years in the future and be like the, the USS Bozeman that showed up in TNG with, with beardy McFraser crane, <laughs> uh, captaining it 
thrown forward through time and having to deal with having missed a ton of history and be a crew out of time. That's something that they haven't really done with one of these crews. They've displaced them, you know, a quadrant away in Voyager. They've put them on not a Federation Starship Enterprise with Deep Space Nine. I, I'm, I'm with you in that I would I would like something different. And at the very at, at the base level, I feel like I'm getting some of that. And I would just I, I want them to not feel like they've got to hedge their bets and just let loose and go nuts. And maybe they might. I mean, and we still don't know what if there's a second season, what that second season will be, since the, the pattern right now for anthology series seems to be a full season and then something new. So it might still do that. We don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think part of the reason we all come back to the the same era is just because when most people around the world think Star Trek, they think Kirk, Spock, McCoy. There's no there's no other Star Trek. Those are other things. They might not even know them. Um, and, and so it's a calculated thing on the studio's part. I'm with you. I want to see more. I want to see the future. I want to see 20 years after Voyager. I want to see those people who, who grew up in Starfleet, uh, you know, hearing about the stories of Janeway and Cisco and all that. I think it's fear on the executive level in part. Yes. I mean, I, I think Brian Fuller had a thought he had a good idea of something that sort of calls back, but I think the allure of the Kirk Spock McCoy era is also uh, buttressed by this fear that people think of Star Trek and they think of that, and that if they make a show that is uh, at the end of the canon as it's established that um, they worry like, will it only appeal to people who've seen all of the other shows? Will it, you know, will they have to invent new villains? Because if you keep uh, the Klingons as the villains the Romulans, right? You don't have to evolve it at all. Although then you have to do weird things to get things like the Borg involved. So I think it, I think it's some fear. Then again, it is a little surprising because maybe good idea from Brian Fuller here, but like the lessons, I think this was a hard lesson of enterprise that once you're in something that's deep in the canon and this isn't set in the movie alternate universe, this is set in the prime television, basically to Moises's point, canon universe. Like, well, at that point, it's, it's much harder to contradict canon and you have to do, you're like, no, we can't show the Romulans faces or we can't show the Borg unless we cheat. And even enterprise tried to cheat a little bit, but it was really hard. You, I think it's harder to make a show when you've got this established canon going on. So that I, I, I agree. I think that, that it's fear that is preventing them from going further in the future. And it's too bad because I'd much rather see a next, next generation than, yeah. than, yeah. than sort of re, retread over the same 20 year, 30 year period again and again. But Deep Space 18. This is where we are. <laughs> um, this is, uh, we do get a, a, a view of this crew, and there are some interesting kind of character design things here. There's a guy with like a thing wrapped around his head. There's another guy who's got like stuff going up the side of his face. And then there's Doug Jones as <laughs> a, a regular on the show, Lieutenant Saru, who is the guy who uh, later will tell us senses that death. he senses death, which uh, people were laughing at that dialogue. It's like, I, I could tell you what the context of that dialogue is. That, it's not quite at this point, but it comes later, which is, you know, his spe- he's going to say his species evolved and they were they were a prey species and they learned to have this ability to, to sense, you know, when when they were going to be attacked. And I, I think that that's, you know, it's creepy, but I think that there's probably a context that makes it a little less silly that you don't get in a trailer. Yeah, it, it, it's a little goofy. Yeah, it's still it's still a little bit theatrical, a little bit silly, I guess. But it's a science fiction universe <laughs> yeah, where yeah. matter can transport from one place to another with a minimal of power use. and he's got a weird I, you know weird the and the face design is kind of fun it's not just a, a thing on his forehead which is kind of cool right 
Um, so this at this point in the trailer, as we're just sort of for- forwarding, um, they find an unknown object, and uh, Burnham basically uh, gets out in a spacesuit and fires off her thrusters to go find this unknown, mysterious object that obviously is the thing that sets off the plot of this show. Yeah, so this is, I think this is a very Star Trek-y scene, right? They're like, it's an unknown mm-hmm. object, and we can't just leave it. We have to go look at it, because that's what we do. Uh, and then let's hop into our motion picture jetpacks yeah. and fly through uh, the, the cosmos and get to this weird thing. Yeah, there's an asteroid belt over there, and we are going to fly over to it. We're not just going to scan it from a distance. That's lame. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> I need to touch it. Our scanners aren't that good. We have to do We have to send somebody over there. <laughs> we got to go over there and look at it and write a report. <laughs> Send yeah. it back to Starfleet, and it looks like it looks like from the next scene that that there's uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening over there. This it's edited together with some other shots that suggest that maybe there's uh, there's Klingon involvement and maybe alien involvement in that. But it's a it's a bunch of quick cuts and it's unclear. There's some kind of alien ceremony that there's a quick cut of that I, I was unclear if that was Klingon or not. It, I, it it looked ambiguous. It, it's some sort of a Klingon ceremony. And as far as I can tell, the object that they find is this sarcophagus looking yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I read a couple of articles and, you know, I, I try to be as skeptical of what people write about this stuff as possible because then I find myself in my headcanon agreeing with what somebody just puts forward as a fact that may or may not be. But it, it's at least a close enough visual match with the minimum amount of stuff that they're showing us in this. That That is the thing that they find. And, I, you know, I, I feel, I feel, I feel like they're pretty heavily hinting at, yeah, this is the thing that warps a bunch of Klingons, uh, into, um, into surrounding this one Federation ship. Yeah. And it's a meaningful object to this sarcophagus or whatever it is, is a meaningful Klingon object and they want it. And our crew finds it. A bunch of Klingon symbols appear on, uh, on, on the, the screen of the ship suggesting that Klingons are attacking and, uh, and that's scary. And then we get a shot of uh, of a guy whose name is Takuvma, which is Chris Obi, and he is uh, he is the uh, the Klingon with the uh, with the you know it's a very different Klingon look. So I guess we should talk about the Klingons. You know, one of the problems with Klingons is that the original Klingons were like, let's get some guys with beards, some facial hair, and that's what a Klingon <laughs> will be. And then in Next Generation, they're like, well, we're going to do a little more makeup and we're going to have a little bit more, which was sort of following on the motion picture. The Star Trek Into Darkness Klingons are, are also a little bit different. And then Enterprise tried to explain all of this and say, well, there's the augments and there's two versions and all of that. And, and it's this great thing that kind of doesn't make any sense. We do not speak of it, right? The best thing that <laughs> any Star Trek ever did was have Worf just say, no, don't. Don't well, even. Here, here's the thing: is I feel like this show maybe is going to speak of it. Well, here's the thing: oh, either I hope not. either they're going to speak of it, or they're going to lean in. And I, this is what I'm hoping: is they're going to lean into the idea that you know what? Every time we show the Klingons, they look different. It's because it's a different show, and the makeup is different. And these, <laughs> this and is we've what gotten Klingons better at like. designing these things. And like, <laughs> just you got to go with it. Just like why? Do, why aren't we wearing the pajamas from the original series? Because it's a different show, and you, you just have to go with it. It's not a photographic representation 
version of what really happened because it's a TV That's show. Right. Why does the interior of the TARDIS look different with each doctor? Yeah, so I'm kind of going with that, which is like historical records from this era are sketchy. You know, <laughs> how, how do you solve how do you solve the problem of like are they guys with beards or are they people with bumpy heads? And the answer is we're going to make totally new ones, and then you're really not going to know what the Klingons are. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, Moy says it is also true they may try to explain it. I kind of want them to not, but maybe they will. Well, I, I, well here's the thing: is I, I I see them being able to go almost a half measure and and speak to the divide in 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 the Klingon homeworld between. Mm-hmm. The yes. uh, the people who look like uh, Takuvma and the people who look like the um, the uh, racial appropriation uh, half Fu Manchu half Russian Klingons yep. of the original series those the ones <laughs> I you know the the, the Romulans and Remans uh, sorry to bring back uh, memories of Nemesis mm. I didn't think we Stop. were going to talk about that when, uh, no yeah that's really uncalled for really yeah. unfamiliar with this term. Show me on the on the Nemesis DVD where it hurt you. Yes, okay. The whole DVD hurt me. That's where. But there, yeah. I mean, there's you know again because they're going with the TV, uh, the TV canon of things and the deep canon of all kinds of stuff. The untold story in the past of Star Trek lore that does interest me that, yes, okay, we got a billion Klingon episodes in Deep Space Nine and there are people who hate them. I love them. You know, there there is there is something to be explored in looking at at this relatively early stage of the Federation dealing with Klingons in in a way that establishes a way to move forward with them where they don't necessarily uh, have to look one way or another way or they can look halfway between or you know you you can you can keep as much or use as much or throw out as much of the uh, production design as as you want as behooves you to make something look good on high def 4k tv screens in the year 2017 as opposed to what looked totally fine on a CRT in 1968. <laughs> what I've seen makes me trust whichever direction they go, whether they <laughs> give into the stuff that I'm, I'm kind of okay with them doing like the deep, the deep lore, like, you know, not to say this is the only way to describe the kind of schism, but like the difference between Sunni and Shia Muslims, that kind of major, major conflict within a specific culture. That is something that I think is a, a fascinating thing to explore in a Star Trek show and it's something that as as much as Star Trek lore has been steeped in bringing a new perspective to cultures and uh, cultural divisions and political strife that not everybody has the same perspective on. I think there there could be something really fascinating to that um, where it is yeah. less cut and dry. I, so I, I hear where you're coming from on that. This is this is what concerns me. And Jason, I was talking to you about this in Slack the other day, like. You know, so many Star Treks, they, they kind of come off with a, a premise that you can explain in a sentence, right? Like TOS is a five year mission. You know, DS9 is a space station, Voyager. They're trapped, uh, you know, a long way from home. For this, it, it, I, I don't see any concept around the show that makes me go, that really pulls me in. Like, I feel like the, the Klingons and humans and the relations that they had around this era has been so hyper explored 
that I don't like they can add a new subspecies of Klingon or some secret treaty, which is why, you know, the, the ship looks half Klingon. They can do that. That doesn't innately like draw me into it. And maybe this ends up being the kind of show that's more character based, like Homeland or Billions. Like these are shows that really aren't built off a of premise. Mm-hmm. They are built around characters. And maybe, you know, this show will have the kind of acting and actors that can pull that off. But I, I just have to say the the everything I'm seeing around the show doesn't make me go, oh, cool, that's a premise I want to watch. It's just the Star Trek name that I feel like hmm. they're cashing yeah. in on. This 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 trailer is very much like Star Trek. Remember Star Trek? Let's yeah. show you all these things about Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. Like I feel like it's missing because I mean my, my assumption is that the premise for the show is Burnham gets. Uh, basically thrust into a uh, command position and has to struggle with that and and challenges are overcome but we don't we don't get that in that trailer right the trailer yeah, is star trek they're, they're kind of hiding the premise for now it seems yeah um which right. which yeah i think i i think there will be one although i think any expectations that it this would be is good for be, the show to have a premise yeah yes. yeah but but the, the <laughs> premise is star trek yeah that's right there you go there's space there's there's aliens <laughs> That's 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 all you need. No, I think, but I I do think that um, Star Trek. This is why I'm fascinated by the idea of the show. Is Star Trek in 2017 modern television? It's going to be different. It is going to be character driven. It's going to be a big story arc. It's going to not be episodes of the you know week uh, where there's an adventure and then it's over and we move on to the next adventure. It's going to be a a very different beast than any Star Trek we've seen before. I think there's there's not going to be an episode where where Doug Jones teaches Burnham how to like jazz tap or something like that. Well, I mean, never say never. So. This is how we apply decontamination gel on my planet. Any, <laughs> anything is possible, <laughs> but oh, no. uh, but I think I, I also do think that there. This is my suspicion throughout this, and the fact that we don't see the discovery in this and all is like yeah. they're trying to keep quiet on uh, what I think they're going to do, which is the classic uh, TV fake out where they show you characters that you think you're going to be seeing for the rest of the show, and then very rapidly they are either left behind or killed. And I suspect that's going to happen. Um, there are a lot of actors that have been named as being on this show. I, I have my doubts that all of them are going to make it through, but um, they're, they're keeping <laughs> mum on that right now. Because that's an expensive cast for a streaming I, show. I, I feel like what they were trying to do with this specific trailer was make people go hey guess what star trek looks really friggin expensive by the way looks yeah. expensive also the lens flares were brought in <laughs> spared no expense yes. we we bought them in bulk the next shot here is uh is interesting it's Sarek again but what we get is the suggestion that burnham actually has a long-standing connection to Sarek and vulcan mm-hmm. that she seems to have grown up at least in part on vulcan she, there's a little girl who looks like her with a vulcan haircut yeah. but she can't speak vulcan right because she has a stupid human tongue and can't do it so th- this this line posed a lot of questions for me uh because so i mean f- for example do we know that burnham is human she she Looks very human. Those are round ears. Well, Jason, it's, you know, I mean. She could be half human. Yeah, I, I or guess. Or a quarter or something else. She's a secret Vulcan agent yeah, the entire time. It seems unlikely to me because she's got tears welling up and all of that. But, you know, you never, you never know. I think she's a human. Her, her top half is human. Her bottom half is Vulcan. 
Like a, like a merman, yes. <laughs> Although, oddly enough, now I want to see a show just called Star Trek Secret Vulcan. So I, I think... Uh, totally watch that. I, I think I, I'm intrigued by the premise. We've had all this stuff about Spock being like how dealing with his human half. And, and, and this is more like Spock's mom. This is a... What, how, how is it being a human growing up on Vulcan? It sounds like it kind of sucks from this. Yeah, it does not look great. (laughs) Well, it seems like uh, being a Vulcan growing up on Vulcan kind of sucks. Yeah, they should fix that. (laughs) It's a choice. So that's intriguing that that, that, what we get out of this is that this is not a drive-by necessarily uh, performance with Sarek, but that actually uh, Burnham has a direct connection with Sarek, which is kind of interesting. I think in that that shot, he's uh, like a hologram, right? So I don't know if that she's watching a past message that she always goes back or like, you know, he's, he's just calling her all the time then he's not advice. a hologram in the there's there's <laughs> right. also a show yes. where he's not a hologram in, but that may be a flashback a that flashback mm-hmm. of when when uh, she was little with, uh, with the small yeah. girl yeah i think it's totally a flashback yep mm-hmm. she doesn't turn into a small girl no well it could be time travel it is star trek <laughs> well that's true anything is possible they she gets turned into a small girl small girl along with three other crew members they're stuck in a turbo lift for an episode it's <laughs> yeah you know. right. i can't wait sarek is there <laughs> so we get a bunch of uh we get a bunch of quick flashes of uh the ship is in uh the shenzhou is in jeopardy uh the klingons do a lot of shouting <laughs> We got. They do. They all look look up and go they, like they do, like Klingons do. Well, to be fair, that's what they always do. Yeah. Burnham uh, says we need to we need to attack them, and Michelle oh, Yeoh yeah, says a- we do not fire. Starfleet doesn't fire first. And she's like, we got to do this. We got to take them. That's out. a pretty good. That's a pretty good line. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of question it as a strategy, but like that's that's an ethos. That's what's well, very Picardy. Yeah, we're the good guys. We don't fire first. It's all defensive. Our weapons are for defense. We're an exploration ship, right? That's very Star Trek. Yeah. But that's how your ship gets blown up. And yeah, that's how you die in episode one. And then episode two is all about the discovery. (laughs) That's true. I think I'm pretty sure all the Starfleet officers we see in this trailer, almost all of them are going to be dead by the end of the first episode. Except for maybe Doug Jones. Yeah. Some of them could be in Klingon work camps. (laughs) That's true. We're repenting. We'll come back. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It could be that that one of the things that happens is a bunch of prisoners of war are taken and... Somehow they've got to be rescued or, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, satisfy yeah. the Klingons. Forced to sit through uh, a Klingon biology class where they explain the differences of the various oh, Klingons. Excellent. <laughs> Actually, it's done now as Klingon opera. Today we will have Gah. Well, we have that. We have that uh, shot of Michelle Yeoh looks like from behind, looking at the view screen, and it's like white. Like and it's like oh that that doesn't look good and then they immediately they cut to black and then they fade up on Jung, Doug Jones's character saying you know my race evolved to sense death and I I, I sense it now <laughs> which I, you know Ooh. what I like I really like it because it's super creepy <laughs> I think that's kind of cool I was for thinking about trailer. that like what did they do like get a, a species of people invite them into the Federation to be like essentially canaries in a coal mine <laughs> like yeah. our ship is that's in danger not an awful now idea. yeah. You I hope know. that they have other skills. It's very Star Trek, but like I said, I think it's going to be like we're a prey species yes. and we know when this kind of stuff is happening. Yeah. Not not as a we were brought into Starfleet for this, but more like <laughs> we got to get out of here. It's, it's going to get bonus. us. You hope that it's just a biological feature they have and not like that their entire culture is based around that. Like, Because it's yeah. like, really? You guys don't Dark. have like one guy that builds spaceships? How did we let you into the Federation? They're like meerkats. So, it's just a whole yeah. race of meerkat people. They pop up, they look for death, and then what? they pop back down. Admiral, my death sensing officer, uh, has something to add. One moment, please. I guess... I guess Maybe the qualifications to get into to the Federation were different back then. They were lower. <laughs> it was yeah, only, only, we only know like seven aliens, so like five yeah. of them get in. Yeah. <laughs> and this this show is about the reason why they had to tighten that up. 
Is it, well, it could be the reason huh, yeah, why we never see them again later. It's, yeah, that's, that's right. the premise. That's gotta There's be no the episodes about people getting evicted from the Federation, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yet. I always assume that there, there are lots of planets that have very low populations, and so they're happy to be in the Federation, but they don't send a lot of people out there. Just they, There's only a few thousand <laughs> of them, and they just hang yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be people who are in the Federation, and they don't, like, they don't have anyone in Starfleet or anything, right? right? They're, they're just in the Federation like for paper tax purposes. Yeah, that's right. Um, and they just got yeah. like, an island. How about we send you nobody to be officers, and we just let you mine all the ore that you want? Just don't destroy our biosphere. We want replicators and holodecks <laughs> so that we never have to uh, prepare our own food or work jobs again. Um, and what could go wrong? So the last shot uh, yeah. of the trailer is back out in space and Burnham in this, her spacesuit. And uh, and there's like, uh, I guess, Klingon in a spacesuit with a big uh, Batleth kind of thingy. It looks like a batleth if you show it if you slow it down. It it looks definitely. It, it looks mm-hmm. like a sort of Kalos, a batleth. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, and uh, and uh, he swings it at her, and that's the end of the trailer. That's all we get to see. Ooh. And she dies. The, the end. How much you want to bet the cliffhanger is her out in space in the suit, and the ship is destroyed? Oh, interesting. No. No. And the discovery finds her. I like I that we have to parse parse this out. That that they have been now. It may be that they've been squirrely about the premise of the show in a lot of ways because they've been figuring it out because there's been so much turmoil behind the scenes. <laughs> that may be, but I do like the fact that we we don't really have a great sense of what this uh, of of what happens in the first episode beyond this confrontation that that yeah. she has out in yeah. the spacesuit and what might be happening back on the ship. I, I love the I love the notion of her maybe being demoted or somehow, uh, you know, uh, somehow stigmatized for screwing something up. You know, we get an indication of her wanting to be impulsive and her captain thinking better. And, uh, you know, I, I just love the idea of Lucius Malfoy as captain of a starship, you know, giving her, <laughs> you've done quite enough glare. Uh, I think everything kind of we thing. know about Starfleet in that era would reward that kind of behavior. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Like yeah. you did something ruthless and brash. Here's your own starship. Please enjoy. <laughs> it's, there's Klingons yeah. and aliens and oh. action and lens flares and uh, a lot of Nick uh, special effects. Yeah. I like it. So, yeah. So, I mean, th- there are a lot of people out there. Bree mentioned it earlier. There are a lot of people who are freaking out about this. I mean, like, oh, it looks so terrible. I honestly, I don't get where that's coming from. I think it looks really good. In fact, my worry about it is it looks so good that they're overselling it and there's no way it's going to look this good on a week-by-week basis that they won't have the budget for it. I don't understand why people are freaking out about this. Like, it looks, I mean, I'm not sold on it yet. I'm I'm excited for this. It it seems like the building blocks are there, but I think, I think the more interesting interesting questions are how are they going to like bring this to be a show in 2017? Cause like something you were saying earlier about, you know, the, 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 you know, short script and the adventure of the week, not working anymore. I, I can't help but think that we're going to lose part of star Trek. If it's not that, you know, we have a star Trek main franchise right now that is essentially action movies in space and I I don't think that I think they really missed the entire point of the series. I have liked every sequel less and less. So I want to I I want to see something where they're really wrestling with these deep philosophical questions about what it means to be human, like where a better nature is. You know what is what are ethics in war? Like Star Trek really helped shape my thinking and my politics on that. And I think we need a show that can do that very bravely. 
and what I'm so worried about here is, you know, I feel like, I feel like Enterprise and Voyager are two series that never got a fair shake by the audience because I think the half fans, the fans that just like half of it and they're just virulently against the rest of it, I really wonder, worry that they're going to come into this and they're not going to give it a fair shot, particularly because it looks like it's going to star two women uh, and two women of color. And I just really wonder if the audience is going to hold them to unconscious double standards. I'll tell you something based on my experience, actually, with Doctor Who coming back in 2005, which is I think the best thing to do is to not care what the Star Trek fans think. Because for the yep. future of the franchise and the success of this show, I think they need to appeal to a new generation of fans who will be super into this. People who grew up watching Star Trek on Netflix, not watching it when it aired, they're going to be a lot younger. If it's anything like the Doctor Who audience, it's going to be a lot younger and it's going to be a lot more gender balanced than the old fandom was. And I, I think that that the, the existing fans will come along because it's Star Trek to a certain degree and give it a shot but that they got to expand beyond that. And uh, this is actually one of the reasons why I'm a little frustrated that in the U.S. it's going to be on CBS All Access because it seems to me like that's... It see, should be on CBS. It should just be on the network. Yeah, th- yeah, because what they're saying is it's really for the Trekkies and they'll pay for it. And that's, gonna, that's going to limit their ability to reach that new audience, at least at the beginning. Everywhere else in the world, it'll be on Netflix and I think it'll be a hit. But in the U.S., will people see it? I don't see there being harm in giving people who subscribe to All Access like a week advance access to it and then playing that episode a week later on the network. You could window it that way and achieve the same kind of thing. The people who really want it, want it now and want to pay for it are going to pay for it. Piracy is something that if if you think yeah. that just putting it on all access is going to prevent people from pirating it, guess what? And I, you know, Jason, it sounds to me like you're saying that a next generation of fans could be born out of this. Oh. <laughs> it's a tough one because I, I also get that they're trying to kind of go back to something that's familiar to people in this in, in the in the kind of Kirk Spock McCoy era, but it's not that same ground. I don't know. It's a tough one, right? How do you bring back a franchise that I, I point to Doctor Who only because that is an example of a completely dead franchise that they brought back to life with a, a revitalized fan base. And um, they did it in continuity without replaying, um, saying, no, it's we're going to start from scratch. And they managed to make it work. So I have some hope and they botched that launch in the U S and it still managed to make it after a few years. So it's, it's, I I have some hope there that, that, um, the, a lot of the classic Trek fans will come along, but that there, there will be a new generation of fans will be drawn into this. And I, I have actually a lot of hope, Brie, for what you said about uh, what Star Trek is that maybe maybe summer tentpole action movies in general can't do, which is the classic uh, social commentary and character interaction. I feel like long form television is a place where you can you have the leisure to do that in a way that you can't in a movie and that you kind of can't in a classic TV series that resets every week. You can do a, a a little a little parable and then you have to move on so i guess that puts our hope in brian fuller who came up with this story arc that the story arc he's chosen is something that allows them to explore the characters and explore social issues and be star trek i think if they haven't messed with it too much since he left i feel like brian fuller gets that that is what star trek is and i'm looking forward to them having the the ability to stretch that story out over 15 hours instead of having these hour-long cycles or a two and a half hour long movie and then they 
have to have to get out of town where there's no way to do that. I feel like the the divorce the divorce between the TV franchise and the movie franchise is something that again makes me more optimistic for this TV series because you have Nicholas Meyer working on it, you have the movies having doubled and tripled down on action bang 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 flash and look here sexy people taking off their clothes and hear more sexy people taking off their clothes and guess what we've got new sexy people to take off their clothes in the next movie and ride motorbikes. I enjoy the new <laughs> movies. They're fine. But I don't think that they're trying to do that um, specifically just, for, you know, from what we've seen and from what we can extrapolate from what we know about who they've cast, what they've put into it. The fact that there are a bunch of people saying that, the you know, this trailer wasn't white or male enough. Uh, <clears throat> gentlemen, I, I would like to direct you to literally all of Star Trek. Um, <laughs> I think you've not been watching a show called Star Trek. <clears throat> Um, is all of Star Trek still available to those people? They haven't. Nope. They, it hasn't disappeared. They somewhere? deleted it. No, it's, it's still gone. It's, it's still oh, gone. They deleted it's it. I mean, the, the thing that that excites me about the writing staff is not just Nick Meyer, uh, but the the people who stayed behind after Brian Fuller left have worked with Fuller for years. So I don't think they're going to deviate too far from where he was going with it. And and they have uh, is it Kristen or Kirsten? Bayer, who uh, wrote several Voyager novels, which are actually very good. Oh, they're very good. Yeah, yeah, and she's on staff, so so I'm I'm kind of trusting the writing staff and the story arc thing. It's just like modern modern TV storytelling. I'm really excited about that. I mean, Star Trek put its hand in that with some of the arcs that they had in in Deep Space Nine and uh, Enterprise, and maybe a little bit in Voyager. But here it's going to be, you know, full on 2017 TV series. It's going to be interesting to see how how that plays out. But I, I am hopeful that we're going to get those moments. Also, for the, the fact that the trailer is high production value and has lots of action in it, you know, it's a trailer, too. That's right. They're not going to they start with a quiet, introspective moment and then they have lots of explosions in action because they do want to get people excited. But I, I, I imagine we'll have those moments. I don't think we've seen a third of the named actors that have, you know, had their names oh, out in yeah. Variety and Deadline press releases of so-and-so has been cast in Star the Trek Discovery. The whole crew of the USS Discovery is not in this trailer, right? And that that includes several named actors that we are just not yeah. seeing, including we've seen, Jason Isaacs. We've seen a Klingon guy among multiple Klingon guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, thinking about that next generation of fans, my boys watched the trailer. And, I mean, yes, they have been inducted into star trek just by osmosis because it's just on in our house but but they're watching it and going that looks kind of interesting what's going on i said let's watch it again i don't know and we watched it you know four or five times and and they really want to know what's going on they want to know why we haven't seen the discovery and why we don't know what's going on they said what's it about and it's exactly that but they weren't they weren't disturbed by the lack of a premise they just wanted to get to the premise it's like well tell me more so I was, yeah. I was kind of like, okay. And they seem not to I'll be ready to tell her that, that tell, tell us more, which is probably, again, just speculating here, but it's probably that something bad happens to that ship right. and that she right. is, she is put on a different ship and has to deal with what happens. So, so it starts out with them talking and saying, well, you're my first officer and you, you really need a command. You need to move up now. And we know that, uh, she is not moving up right she's not so, the captain of the so discovery. we know something has to keep her at that level right maybe she just likes it interesting yeah she's a riker it's a riker thing she's a riker yeah. she's she's doing the riker maneuver before riker was even born so did this trailer make people um excited about new star trek to come yeah 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, yes. I, I watched it on my phone, and that's not really the place to watch it. So I was kind of like, well, all right. But then I put it up on the on the Apple TV on the big screen, and and yeah, I was I was ready. Yeah. I wanted more. <laughs> I am ready. I'm excited. I, I'm I'm in. It it feels like Star Trek to me. Uh, <laughs> I I am fine with people not liking it. That's fine. I am not fine with people saying it's not real Star Trek, which just means it's not the Star Trek I like. Which just has, say that it's Sarah. fine. <laughs> it's not real Star Trek, says people who have not seen the Star Trek yet. <laughs> in in Doctor Who fandom, by the way, that phrase is it's not proper Doctor Who, and those people will exist for this too, and they're dumb people. Oh, of course, yeah, you can like it or not, like, but it's Star Trek. Jerks. I, I fully um, expect so. a lot of. Uh, hardcore Star Trek fans to watch this show and just hate it because there's no Captain Picard. Uh, they're not wearing colorful Captain Kirk shirts, even though that's stupid. Whatevs. Uh, why doesn't why why aren't the sets made of cardboard? There were knobs <laughs> on the Enterprise. This is ten years before the, Enter- oh, the first Enterprise, and this is too advanced. And guess what? That's dumb, and you're dumb for thinking it. <laughs> I, I will say I'm not crazy about the title font. But it's much better than the next generation. Yeah, so it's growing on I'm me. Fine. <laughs> David, I'm okay I've got it. a theme song to talk to you about. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, no, we, we no, don't know stop. that. Like, what's the theme song going to be? I guess we're going to have to find out. Maybe think Ooh, I hope it's a remix of the Enterprise theme oh, song. Oh no! I hope it doesn't oh, no. have lyrics. Oh, no, no, let's just go back to orchestral. I think everybody's learned their lesson. It's been a long road. Oh God, don't! I will hang up the Skype. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So t- I gotta go, guys. Tony, oh, you excited? Oh. I'm excited. Uh, I wish I knew when this was coming exactly. They're still being vague. Yeah, you know what? Fall's a big time. Yeah, I, th- me a date, I, I think it's awesome that they've they've really committed to a three month period that happens in 2017. Because I was a little worried this was going to be coming in January 2018. Because yeah, well, they've only committed to 2017 how many times now? I think fall means November 30th. Uh, I don't know. I'm 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 hopeful yeah. that that they will run yeah. the whole. Uh, 15 episodes in the in calendar 2017 but who knows well, that, that, they, we know that nice. they have been shooting already and they have some stuff that looks like finished effects so i mean you know i i, I would i would say that i'm bullish on them actually delivering it no it's good and i i don't think they would have previewed it at the upfronts if it weren't like somewhere within yeah, that September, absolutely october absolutely I think, that's, I think that's right plus they want to give it a boost they want to they want to premiere it on yeah. cbs and get people really in, intrigued by it and uh and then fork out money on cbs all access so i'm excited by it i i think we'll probably see more and they'll probably give away the premise and they'll take away all this air of mystery that they built up with this with this teaser trailer but new star trek right i mean fundamentally how yeah. could you not be excited about new star trek my my final thought is uh i i mentioned mass effect earlier and I am somebody who came very, very late to Mass Effect. Everybody was talking about how great Mass Effect was and and how fantastic it was and how great the storytelling was and all that stuff. And it, it came during a very dark period of me playing games. And there are a lot of people who have kind of dealt with a dearth of, I guess you would say, spaceship going science fiction shows on TV for a while now, yeah. uh, not just Star Trek. And I feel like I feel like you mentioned 2017 TV serialized storytelling styles i i think there is that evolution uh that, that we've seen in tv that has affected the way that stories in a lot of games have been told where we have trilogies of games that tell this big like season arc type of a story per game 
And I, I like the idea of, you know, there being shows like The Good Place out there that subvert expectations for what you're going to get by the end of a season of that show. And by the end of season one, it's almost like you're part of the way into season three of how a network show would ordinarily do things business as usual. And I, I, I want to I want to say that my optimism will be rewarded. I hope so. Uh, because Brian Fuller had so much of a formative influence on this and he trusted the right people to handle the show once he left it, where we will get that kind of, oh God, Star Trek can be this now. Star Trek can do this kind of stuff. It's not hampered by this. It doesn't have to meet a specific order number. Originally, we were told it was going to be what, like 10 episodes? 12. It was going to be 12. It was going to be less than 15 episodes. And I don't think that they just wanted to add another three episodes. I think they found three more episodes of story to tell. Yeah. And that's just the shape that the story took. And that if, if there's any of that kind of criminology that I can do about this kind of stuff, I, I, I really want that to, to come through and deliver on, uh, you know, I, I, I hate even using the word franchise with star Trek, even though it, it helped define <laughs> what we think yeah. of as a franchise, because to me it, it is about what it makes me feel and what it has philosophically behind it. And I feel like we will get we will get Bree's magic golden trophy of a this is what this show is kind of uh, elevator pitch. Yeah, I know that we're going to get that. And I can't wait for us to get that for it to hopefully confirm a, a lot of the, the optimism that I've got for this show. Well, you know, you know what those three episodes are? Once they signed Rain Wilson, it's, it's, it's a Harry, Harry Mudd three-parter. <laughs> yep. The, the Harry, Harry Mudd Mud trilogy. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. You ever wonder, where did that Harry Mudd come from? I'll just go watch Deep Space Nine for those episodes. Yes, that's right. I'll just come back. <laughs> All right. So the the uh, the last thing we got t- to to do is uh, tease everybody about what we're going to do at the Incomparable about uh, weekly Star Trek new Star Trek episodes. We don't know, but I don't know if that's a TV <laughs> it's quite a tease. TV series or if it, if it's uh, if Random Trek does Random Trek become linear for. 15 weeks what? and then go back i don't know what happens i don't know i guess we've got until fall to find out well and, and of course they have also announced that they're going to follow each episode with yes, talking, talking track, talking track yes. which is they should hire why have they not hired us to do that yet come on right we're ready we're here yeah cbs you have my number less moon viz you know why <laughs> you know why <laughs> <laughs> all right uh we're gonna wrap it up here for our Flash, uh, Star Trek Discovery Breakdown, and Enthusiasm podcast. And uh, I'm going to thank my guests for being on this last minute, last second, uh, put together podcast. David Lohr, thank you. So say we all, Jason. That's the wrong show, wrong show. Scott McNulty, uh, beam me up. We have engaged the Klingons. Tony Sindelar, live long and prosper. Good night, nerds. Moises Chuyan, we reach. Use the force, Harry. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and Brianna Wu, fire phasers. Fire phasers. <laughs> All right. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to The Incomparable. We'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. going we have no map and you can't set a course without a star 
It's hard to imagine. You've served under me for seven years. Commander Burnham. I think it is time we talked about you having your own command. Tutor transport. Great unifiers are few and far between, but they do come. Often such leaders will need a profound cause for their followers to rally around. What am I looking at? Object of unknown origin. We've come all this way, Captain. It would be irresponsible to leave whatever that is unknown. What have you done out there on the edge of Federation space? Computer. Enable igniter. Captain, what signatures detected? Contact Starfleet Command. We have engaged the Klingons. learn Vulcan your tongue is too human I'm trying to save you I'm trying to save all of you we target its neck cut off its head Starfleet doesn't fire first we have to my people were biologically determined for one purpose alone to sense the coming of death I sense it coming now